earthly government or unjust ruler or wi the, the wicked system around us, um, even when it may not be the most just, you know, wicked still prevails. Uh, you know, people are not punished quickly enough. It seems, uh, you know, there, there are things that, that are going on where you know, even sinners seem to prolong their days. And, you know, people are doing wicked and things are, th things are going well for them, right? And, and so in, in a system like that, uh, you know, we're, we're living in that. And he acknowledges that that's frustrating. He called it a vain evil. Um, but even in that, verse 12, he acknowledges it will be well for those who fear God and not for the, the wicked. Justice will come. Um, and then he ends chapter 8 talking about the, the limits of wisdom, which is, which is kind of interesting thinking about Solomon the, has the most wisdom and approaches everything with, with wisdom given from God. And, but that has limits. There, there's limits to the wisdom of man. Uh, under the sun, and, and we ended class last week talking about that a little bit, how we can never know the works of God. We can never know, uh, you know, there's a limit to what we can know about how God works, uh, what he does while we're under the sun, um, you know, providentially, how he, how he works with us. Um, and, you know, I've, Solomon puts us here, and I, th I think it's as a comfort that, you know, we there's a limit to what we can know, and so we shouldn't spend all of our waking hours trying to know that, trying to figure that out. There's a limit to that, and we don't need to know. That's by design. And, you know, it made me think of some other passages like Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not my ways. That's just a fact of, of how God deals with his people, and there are things that we're not meant to know. And, and our earthly wisdom cannot understand, and he ends it. Even the wise man cannot find it out. So that takes us then into chapter 9, where there's this other observation, and he's kind of doubling down on this idea that, you know, we're, we're in this evil world, and we're, we're, we're uh, you know, there's this fr frustration that's going on where they're, they're, the wicked are slow to be punished, uh, as I mentioned, they, they were seem to prolong their days. They're receiving abundant blessings and power, and it's hard to wrestle with that idea of living and trying to be righteous in a society or in a world where there are some who are wicked and they're benefiting. They're, they're having abundant blessings, and, and they have perfect health, and everything's going great for them, it seems. And then there are those who are living righteously, and they're having tough times. And, and so how, how do you balance those? Um, and, and that's what he addresses here in chapter 9. And that's, you know, in, in this, especially in these first couple of verses, kind of uh, verses 1 through 6, the, the, this first part, he's going to look at this idea where there's some who are living good lives, righteous and wise, and their deeds are, are in the hand of God. They're fearing and obeying his will. But the challenges they face don't seem to reflect that. They, they, are, they are either, they can be faced with love or they can be faced with hate. And they don't know what, what, what it's going to be. It, it could come both, both ways. And so, so they're, they're challenged by that. Both good and bad things are happening throughout their lives. Um, you know, living a righteous life, just continuing on this thought, living a righteous life does not guarantee an abundant life of good things happening. At the same time, living a wicked life does not guarantee a life full of pain and suffering. Where if you're thinking in our wisdom under the sun, we would think, well, that's what they deserve. They, someone living wickedly deserves 
uh, evil and suffering and, and pain like that. And if I'm living righteously and making good choices and trying to be pure and holy, that, that should, I should be getting some benefit to that. There should be some good things in my life happening um, around that. And so he, 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 he phrases this, he's examining this idea and What's the observation, what's the conclusion that he comes to, the observation he sees when he's examining this, this world and what's going on around him? Yeah, everybody suffers the same. And when he, when he examines it all, laying his heart on this, on this idea, he sees everybody suffers the same. It's the same for all. All things come alike to all. Um, you know, these things are not unjustly paid out by God. It's not a fact of, well, God loves me or God hates me, and I'm, I'm receiving all of these, the, you know, these outcomes. Everybody has the same outcome. Everybody is treated the same way. The same events happen to everyone, whether they're righteous whether they're, or they're wicked, good or evil. Clean, unclean, whether they worship and sacrifice or they don't, whether they're good or sinner, they swear or who shuns an oath, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Under the sun, all things happen to all people. We all have the same life experience in, in, in a way, where we all have the same chance of having all of those things happen to us. And in verse 3, the preacher observes, this is unfair. This is an evil that shouldn't be. It, it, and that's a pretty strong statement. He, he's only reserved for a few things in this book, that this is an evil that, that he sees. Um, what, what were some of the other things that, that he, he has called an evil as we've gone throughout this study that you can think of? Back in chapter 2, he, he said it's an evil that man should labor diligently all of his life and gain wealth and wisdom, and when he dies, he has to leave it to a sloth or a fool. I'm going to just squander everything. That's an evil, that, and that, that's unfair, that's unjust as he observes everything on earth. So that, that's one of these. In chapter 5, there's a couple of them. In chapter 5 and verse 13, it says that, that a man saves and gains so much during his life only to lose them in a bad venture or a bad deal, uh, and he has nothing left to pass on to his children. So that's an evil that, that he has come across. Uh, a couple of verses later in verse 15, a man comes into the world naked, works hard, uh, gains much, and then dies and can't take anything with him. That's and evil that Solomon has seen uh, throughout his time and his observation. Chapter 6, that a man be blessed with abundant riches, but die too soon to enjoy them. That's an evil that, that Solomon has called out here in, in Ecclesiastes. And now we have an evil here in chapter 9. The same event happens to all. Whether you live righteously or you live wickedly, the same thing can happen to everybody. And there is one event that's going to happen to everybody. And what's the event that he talks about? Death. Yeah. 
Not, not just, I mean, we could talk about good, you know, fortune and, and wealth and gaining things versus, versus pain and sickness and suffering. Those things can happen to both, and it is, is not discriminatory between both sides. But no matter what, death is going to happen to everybody, whether you live righteous or whether you don't. And that's, according to Solomon here, an evil. That, that's not fair that that happens that way. That, that isn't right. From his perspective there, surely if I live my life righteously, striving for purity and holiness, putting aside all of my personal desires and and sacrificing everything that I want to follow God, surely I'm going to gain wealth. I'm not going to get sick. All of my loved ones will live forever and ever, and I won't ever have to suffer anything ever. That's not that's not reality. That's not that's not what Solomon has observed. And, and the, the opposite for those making evil choices. Instead, a righteous man may find himself suffering, suffering from sickness, dying early, mourning the death of a loved one, uh, losing their fortune. And at the same time, a wicked man whose heart is perverse up until the day he dies could have good health up until the day he dies. But for both of those, there is a day that they will die. And regardless of what happens, good or bad, that it's going to happen. And there's nothing that, that you or I can do to stop it. And there's nothing God is, God is up there prejudging one person and saying, nope, you're going to have bad, you're going to have good. And, and, and it, it happens equally to both sides. Even though it doesn't feel that way when you're in the middle of it. Even though it doesn't seem that way when you're living righteously and seeing unjust things happen to, to those who are living wickedly. It doesn't seem like that. But that's, that's his conclusion. That, that's his, his, he's starting this chapter out with this observation um, that this seems really unfair. And so in verse 4, he has a conclusion to this and kind of a, uh, you know, not a uh, application, kind of an application, but, but a conclusion here. What, what does he sum up? Okay, because this is a fact, because things are so unfair and because... Whether you live righteously or evil, it doesn't matter. It, everything happens to everybody. What, what's his conclusion in verse 4? Living dog is better than a dead lion. What does that mean? Take what you can get, yeah. Take what you can get. A living dog is better than a dead lion. How, thinking back to this culture, now, now dogs are nice and cute and little cuddly animals and we love dogs and that, that's wonderful. Back in the culture when Solomon's writing this, how are dogs viewed? Consume their own vomit. They're worthless. They were the lowest of low, unclean scavengers. How are lions viewed? Mighty, regal, valiant, king of the jungle, top of the food chain, right? And so Solomon is saying it's better to be alive and lowly as a dog than have lived a mighty life and be dead. So he's making this conclusion. Kind of confusing compared to some of the things that Solomon has talked about life and death up until this part. Doesn't seem to match up. What, what are, how, how are some of the ways 
Solomon has described being alive versus being, a, being dead up until now. Yep, stillborn child. How, how else? There's been a couple occasions uh, I can think of where he's saying, you know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where he was talking about oppression and how, how, how awful oppression and injustice is. He says, the dead who are already dead are more fortunate than the living who are still alive. Right? So he, he's saying it's better for those who are already dead to be dead than to be alive. Here he's saying something seemingly opposite of that. What about Ecclesiastes chapter 7? Uh, day of death is better than the day of birth. Going to the house of mourning, better than the house of feasting. So we've got a couple different times he's mentioned where death is, is preferable to living. And I think there's some lessons there. But how do we reconcile that? What, what's different about now where it's better to be even a dog living than a dead lion? What, what's different now about what he's talking about? I think it's interesting to note when Solomon asks, or when God asked Solomon what he wanted, he desired wisdom to rule over his people. And he did a good job with that. He decided many cases, the two women over the child and, and other instances, and he was uh, seen as being a great wise leader. However, the wisdom in his own life he often chose uh, not to use. He sought his own heart. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing here in this book as Solomon repents from the idolatry and he repents from all of the things that as a king, he may not have noticed because people in high places are surrounded by people who tell him what he likes to hear and this and that. But now he's had time to settle down and pose these questions as he repents on what, uh, what is wisdom uh, for every man, and that is to fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, and so we see these agonizing things that we, uh, as low on the totem pole, see every day, but I think some of these things are quite new to him mm -hmm. as, as he uh, punches his time card and hangs up his crown and goes to the house. It's a lot different. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a different perspective. He, he's approaching things from now. Um, he, he's looking at it from a different point of view. I think, I think you're, you're exactly right. Um, I think there's a like you said, a, a different point of view, a different context that he has now from when he was ruling the, the largest nation in the world and the most successful nation. Now he's looking back and seeing what really is important, what, what really is valuable. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I mean, to, to your question, you, you look at the context here, you know, verse three, there, the men's are full of evil, men are full of evil and their hearts throughout their lives. Um, and then whoever's joined the living, there is hope. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. So there's hope for those people who are still, who are evil. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, in my mind, 
to, to Bruce's point, you know, it all comes back to serving God and serving him. And if you are a dead lion and an evil lion, then there's no hope for you. But if you are alive, you still have that opportunity to turn and serve God and, and all things that you do. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and that, that's along the lines of what I was thinking was, I mean, once you're dead, you're dead. You can't change what you've done in the past. You can't go and make amends for that or change the direction of your life or start making choices and say things differently. It's done. And even if you were a mighty and powerful lion, the things you've done are done. You can't go back and, and change that. But while you're still alive, even if you have no influence and no power and no money and are sick and, and all of these other things, you can still follow God. You can still make good choices and you have time and hope while you're there. And I think that, that that's, a, that's a, a big, big thing here when you're looking at, you know, the, the not mistreatment, but the way that the two sides are getting equal the same, same things, the same things can happen to both people and they're gonna end up in the same place. It's better to be alive in that situation and make those, those choices than, than not. Um, is Solomon saying here that after, well, is Solomon saying here in these verses that after death comes annihilation from existence? Because, because as we read on a little bit in verse, verse five, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Uh, their love and their hate and their envy have already perished forever. They have no more share and all is done under the sun. Is that, that mean that just existence stops once you die? Well, from a purely this life standpoint, yes. I mean, you don't have, you think about some of the most famous people Rarely do they ever get mentioned or thought about. We've moved on. I mean, you almost move on immediately. And so without God and without eternity and without a recognition of, of God's power and final judgment, at which time there will be mm -hmm. something, that's what we've looked forward to if we are faithful to God. Uh, so whatever else went on in this life, but if all we have is this life, yeah. then it's, you better go get everything you can get right now, because when you're dead, it's over. Exactly, yeah. When we're looking at the, this life and, and under the sun, and I, I'll mention in a minute, notice how many times under the sun, we, we read that a lot in this, this book, but in this chapter alone, there's about seven, six or seven times that phrase is mentioned in the perspective of living under the sun without God in the future, without knowing that, yeah, you, you look, my memory's faded. Everything I have is gone. It doesn't matter what, what I've done. It's better to be living here than, than dead. If you have the, the, the point of view that Paul and the apostles had in the New Testament, they, they were saying, well, I'd rather be dead than, than in living with God than here in my body here. I'm away from home. But they had something to look forward to. They had, some, they had a hope with it, that Solomon looking under the sun didn't, didn't have. Yeah. The rich man in Luke 16 found out that he had no influence in the world anymore. He had no contact in the world anymore. He had nothing to do with the world anymore. And the same uh, with Lazarus. Lazarus was enjoying uh, the fruits of his earthly uh, work. No, that, 
great, great example, and I, I, I would, that, that's exactly right. We have that glimpse there to see that even, you know, even had, had, had the rich man wanted to go back, it, which he did, he, it wouldn't have done any good. There was no more influence there. Yes? It just makes me think, every time I drive past a cemetery, I kind of glance over and think, those people are not remembered. They're gone. Yeah. And that memory is gone for the most part. So once we're gone, we're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, your family might remember you a while. But for the most part, you're gone. That's it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Again, with, with that earthly perspective of not, of not thinking about God and, and eternity, just, just here on earth, that, that's all there is. They, they, you, you're not going to be remembered a long time. In fact, I, I've, I've seen interviews with these celebrities and these, you know, rich moguls and, you know, business leaders, and, and they're so worried about their legacy and how can I be remembered and what can I do to put my stamp on the earth and change the world and be remembered forever. They will only be remembered for so long is if the earth continues going and their, their memory will fade too. And it, it doesn't matter. Th- those things are vanity. Those things are, are, are not what is important. Um, so what personal applications can we make from the first six verses here uh, as we look at the evil that he described, the observation that Solomon made, uh, the conclusion that he makes here in verses four through six. What are some, what is that, what do we do with this information? What, what's some personal takeaways we can do with knowing the, this information that he, he shared with us? Diana in the, in the back. Yes. Yeah. Work, work while it's day. Don't, don't waste our time. Uh, take advantage of what, what we can while, while we're here and, and, and don't waste it. Absolutely. That, that, that is, is, is definitely something to see here because death is going to come for everybody. Everybody's got a time. So what are we doing with the time we do have here? And what choices are we making? Yeah. I think you got to look at the next three verses. That, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the conclusion. You know, enjoy what you enjoy, you know, and work hard, yep. you know, and live like you're supposed to. I think that's, to me, those next three verses kind of sum up the, what we should do as a result of those first six verses. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and that is where, uh, that, that's why Solomon put them there, I think, because that, that is the conclusion to what, what, he, what he's telling us is, is, uh, is really enjoy life while, while you're here and work hard at it. So, so as, we, as we go to that, that you know, the, the, ne- the next couple of verses here, knowing that all will one day die, let us enjoy the days we have. Make the most of our time. Uh, you know, make the, most of, make the most of our time. Enjoy the days we have. I, I was doing a little researching, you know, doing some searches online, seeing what some people have written about this chapter and just kind of getting some ideas. Um, and my favorite sermon title I came across on this was, Have a Blast While You Last. That was the, uh, that was the sermon title for chapter Eccle- Ecclesiastes 9. I thought, well, that, that was short and to the point. And, uh, you know, made, made the point. Maybe a little looser than I, I would have uh, phrased it, but um, but yeah, enjoy 
what God has given you while you have it. And I think that's something that, that uh, is important. And sometimes we, it, it can be hard to do. It can be hard, hard to do that. Um, so let's read verses 7 through 10 here. And then, um, and then t- t- take a lo- look at this a little bit. Begin at verse 7. Go eat your bread of joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife with whom you, uh, whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. If we were going to summarize that, put it, put it in your own words, what, what is Solomon suggesting knowing that we all have a common experience we're going to face, death. What stands out to me through all of this is life is a blessing from God. We all have that blessing. How our life goes, what happens in that life, varies from person to person. There are those who work hard and diligent and succeed. There are those who work hard and are diligent and fail. And we can't get caught up in the goal as far as the earthly goals. We can't just, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to make all this money, I'm going to do all this so that I can provide for my family. And then you spend all that energy and time to succeed and the family grows up and goes on. And when things just fall apart and, and you, life throws you a curveball and you're like, how do I deal with this? And sometimes our world, in, in our mind, our world's falling apart. <clears throat> if you're still alive, you're still breathing. A lot of us at work have a saying, it is what it is. Whether you're successful, whether you're not whether plans worked out as you intended or not. If you're still breathing, you still have that blessing of life like everyone else has that's still breathing. And sometimes we take ourselves too seriously, whether it be our successes or the failures we experience, and we let that tear us down. It is what it is. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. But as long as you're still alive, you can still be focused on what is important, which is beyond this life. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great thoughts. I, absolutely. Any other? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get the idea here that he's going back to the garden. You know, when God created the earth and the heavens, he made everything, as Buddy Payne said, just right. He put man in a beautiful, beautiful garden. You can eat any of the fruit except that one. You've got grain. You've got animals. You've got a job. You've got things to do. And he gave him a wife, someone who was suitable uh, to be his partner through all this. And I can't speak for everybody, but I am blessed 
with a wonderful wife who we have been through thick and thin of this life too with all of these things. But it's a blessing. And we sometimes get to be like the Pharisees who were tithing everything and they were spending more time on tithing and uh, trying to catch people uh, going against the law and making a name for themselves. And Jesus said, you've neglected the weightier matters. We can do that. Mm -hmm. We can just ignore the blessings that we have and uh, accept everything without thanksgiving or without any acknowledgement uh, to God. Uh, and all of those things make life a little easier. Even after God made it harder, we still have all of the things that he blessed us with in the first chapter of Genesis and promised for us in the last chapter of Revelation. I, I love that perspective, and I hadn't actually thought about it in that way, but... I mean, when you look at that, the, the list, food, clothes, family, work, you know, those are, that, that is what he was blessed with originally. And, and that's, you know, th those aren't grand. There's no sports cars or speedboats or, you know, season tickets or anything that, you know, a lot of us value today as a successful life. You know, if I have all those things, I, I'm, I've made it. These are, the, these are the basics that God has given us from the beginning. You're exactly right. And I think that's, that's one of the things that we can take away from this is that it is, you know, sometimes we make it too complicated. Sometimes we make it too complicated over what we need to be feel fulfilled and successful. And, you know, hey, we've got food, we've got clothes, we've got family around us. I've got, you know, work to do. That, that, that's all we need, right? And so that, that's a really, really great point. I hadn't tied it to the garden, but I, I, uh, I'm glad you did. Thank you. A any other thoughts? As you've pointed out, uh, Solomon deals, for the most part, about life under the sun. That means just um, without regard to anything beyond the grave, just what you see and feel and know about right here. And when you think about it like that, then he says there are some circumstances, uh, injustices and uh, the, the wicked live a long time and the righteous die young and things happen like that and in some situations it'd be better to just work never born if all you're thinking about is just the physical things under the sun but occasionally he takes a peek beyond the grave he did that back in chapter 8 verse 12 he talks about the sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life but listen he says still I know it will be well for those who fear God and fear him openly He's got to be peeking beyond the grave right there because he's, he's going to be saying, well, you know, sometimes the righteous dies young. Mm -hmm. See, there's a little peek beyond the grave. And he did the same thing there in chapter 9 and verse 4. Whoever is joined all the living, there is hope. Isn't that a little peek yeah. beyond the grave there? But then he reverts right back to under the sun. And I think verses 7, 8, 9, really what he's saying is, even just the physical things here, just learn to be content with what you've got. And what Paul said, be, with food and raiment, be content. 
Mm-hmm. And if you want any joy on it, just learn to be content with what God has given you here under the sun. So in that limited context, there can be some joy in life. Absolutely. No, they, thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, one of the things that kind of I, I was thinking about as we were going through through this and, and, and looking at what, what Solomon was saying, you know, a lot of times when we, we hit trouble or, or strife in, in, in life, whatever that is, sickness or, or death of a family, whatever that looks like, we can get really wrapped up in, in, you know, what we hope is the outcome, what we hope is going to come. And, you know, well, I hope, you know, uh, I, I, I get better or I hope I, my savings account grows or, you know, whatever that is, I, I, you know, hoping that, that I can live again the way I want to live here on earth. But what, what I think he's saying here and in, in, in encompassing all of your, your comments, but He's saying, don't just hope, hope to live, but go live. Go, go enjoy what you have. Go enjoy what God has given and the blessings that he, he's given you these things. He, God has already approved what you do. He has given these things. These are blessings that he has given. So go enjoy those. Go, go live with those and don't wait for the whatever might be next. But, but uh, as, you, as Diana mentioned, live in the now. Do, do, you know, take advantage of the time you have. Any, any other thoughts on that? I, we uh, got a few minutes here. I wanted to jump to, I knew we weren't going to get through the whole chapter tonight. But I want, oh, one more. Real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Verse 7 uh, says, for God has already accepted your work. So these uh, eating, drinking, uh, being merry, interesting Paul may have summarized this himself, but uh, eat, drink, be merry, um, uh, because God has already accepted your works. And I think that may be pointing to verse 1, where he says that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. So he's not giving permission for everybody to to be like this. Those who are righteous should do this um, and enjoy life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to, to that point, when we're saying enjoy life, it's not a, you know, it's not a uh, enjoy life at the expense of holiness and purity and, and following God. It's enjoying life within the blessings that God has given. And, you know, a lot of times we, we say you only live once, carpe diem, go do everything you want to do today. But that's not, that's not what Solomon is saying here when, when he's saying enjoy, enjoy the things uh, God has given. Um, so real quick, uh, verses 11 and 12, he goes back to this idea. He, t- he, took this, the, he took a pause here giving his conclusion of enjoy life, enjoy these blessings. And then he finishes up. He goes back to this idea that life and death come to all without discrimination. And, uh, and, and really he sums it all up by the phrase time and chance happen to them all. The, the, the race is not always won by the, the, the swift. The battle is not always won by the strong. Um, what, what does he mean by this? Time and chance it happened to them all and these examples that he's, he's given. What, what should we take away from that? Never know how long we have, yeah. And, and we can't expect that, that everything we do is going to end up exactly how we think it's going to end up, right? You know, I can't, you know, I could train as fast as I can for a race, but I may not win. That, that I'm not guaranteed to win that. Yeah. 
I think also he's making the point. You, you remember, uh, was it Jesus talking about the the tower that fell on these guys and killed them? Oh, they, they must have been really bad people, you know, because they, and I think Solomon says, no, it's not always a matter of being righteous or wicked. It's time and chance. It just happens to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just time, time and chance happens to everybody. Um, there, there's not really a rhyme or reason to that. And I think sometimes we can eat ourselves up saying, well, why, why is this happening? Why, what's the reason that this is happening to, to, you know, how can I overcome this? And then, you know, maybe there's, you know, I'm gonna be the strongest. I'm gonna be the smartest person. I'm gonna do everything I can within my power to make sure this outcome doesn't happen. That doesn't guarantee anything. That, that, that doesn't guarantee a win. That doesn't guarantee, uh, you know, having the most food, having the most money, earning the most of anything. Um, God, God is not partial in, in, in that area. All, again, all of this is time and chance, and it, uh, you know, it's up to us to, to know that. And is, is there any comfort in that for us? It, 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 it's a, that can be a comforting thought, right? That, that, that it, sometimes if you like to control things, it cannot be comforting because you're like, well, it doesn't matter what I do. I, you know, I want to, I want to make sure, but it, it is comforting that, you know, this happens to everybody and it's not just, not just me, not just you. And, and it putting, as it's been alluded to over and over, we have to put our, our faith and trust in God following him no matter what. I believe that's our time. Thank you so much for all the comments. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll let Alan pick up from there.